Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. This is Rick Gaiman, and I have two gentlemen on the line that certainly need no introduction to the listening audience, but I will introduce them anyway. First off, Kyle Porter. Good morning, sir. Happy Monday. How are you? I'm good. Uh, I would like to ask Mark Immelman. I'll throw it over to him. How's the Matt Schaub era in, in Atlanta going? Would Would you stop, please, for goodness sake? Uh, uh, <laughs> you know what? I... Uh, Thankfully, it was a bye week for the Falcons, so we as we escaped unscathed. Yes, yeah, so <laughs> for me. But even more important, gentlemen, South Africa won Rugby World Cup Saturday morning, so it's a big time in South Africa right now. You, you know, I, it was reiterated to me how sport is just unifying, and it's a nation that's right now sort of struggling a little bit. And every everyone got behind the national team, and they pulled off a huge victory in Rugby World Cup. So. Uh, so, so I'm feeling high on life right now, to be honest with you. That's awesome. So this is actually a rare off week for the PGA Tour coming up, but we've got plenty to talk about. So I think we should jump right into this and look back at last week's WGC HSBC champions. Rory McIlroy goes out and beats Xander Shoffley in a playoff to win his now third WGC title. He did it in a playoff first hole, which is the second straight year. The WGC HSBC has gone to a playoff. Now only Tiger and Dustin Johnson have more WGC victories than Rory McIlroy. So Kyle, let me throw it over to you first. Rory picks up right where he left off after a player of the year season, goes out, plays well at the Zozo, goes out and wins the HSBC. Like, what are we in store for from this guy this season? Yeah, I mean, he's the best player in the world right now. I, I think that I thought that going into China this week, and I think it even more so afterward, I, I don't. I think it's it's hard. I was talking about this with some guys this morning. It's hard to reconcile sort of like he's so just just lights out. And he talked about this earlier in the week, like even his like not perfect stuff is still competitive. And, and you know, he, he's just top five, top 10 every week. You and I talked about that last week. I said, why, why would I not bet Rory to finish in the top 10, even though it's a terrible betting number? <laughs> right. And that's just who he is right now. But how do you reconcile that with some of the major performances? Uh, what does that mean for, I, I mean, cause that's what it's all about, right? That what does it mean for Augusta coming up here in, in five months? I mean, it's just, I, I feel like it's almost like two separate conversations that you're having. And I don't know it. it I, I hope that my, I guess my hope for Rory in 2020 is that we don't get different golfers, uh, we don't get like the weekend and week out Rory uh, over here. And then the major championship Rory that we saw at times kind of, kind of rear his head uh, in 2019 uh, on the other side. I, I hope, I hope we get the same guy every week, especially at the majors. 
Yeah. So, so Mark, I think that's a really good segue to, to a, a conversation where there are kind of two versions of, of Rory at the moment. And are we going to start to knock Rory a little bit if he doesn't win a major anytime soon or another major where we kind of compare Tiger to himself and we count his success on major championships? Are we kind of there for Rory where he can go out and win three times a year, four times a year? But if it's not a major, is it, is it an unsuccessful season for him? Um, you know, I think it's going to be one of those situations with Rory because he's just that sort of a player where if he doesn't win in major championships, all and sundry start viewing this thing as a little bit of a failure. But, you know, last year or last season, I should say, perhaps the tide turned where he got recognition for what was a very consistent season. And it, it was a huge talking point where Brooks, who was the presumptive player of the year leading into the playoffs, all of a sudden gets pipped by McElroy at the post because he plays so well in the playoffs, then beats him head-to-head at Eastlake in order to get the FedEx Cup and, and to win the Player of the Year. So, yes, you will probably have the criticism if he doesn't win. But for me, to continue that, that, that conversation about consistency, Rory did it different last week. Ordinarily, he will whip you from tee through green, and then he'll just be good enough around the greens. Now, in Shanghai, his numbers from tee to green were decent, but the lion's share of the work was done scrambling and on the greens and, and McElroy putting well and McElroy scrambling. I mean, everyone on the PGA Tour right now is going, oh, my goodness. <laughs> when he starts to score on top of the striking, he'll become one of those mountains that is almost impossible for all of the competition to climb because he's just that prolific from tee through green. So... It was neat for me to see how he won a different way. He won ugly, really, because Rory's the kind of guy who makes the game just look beautiful. It's like a symphony to me. So he didn't have his best stuff tee to green. He did show up with an incredible tee shot down the last hole in the first hole of the playoffs. So it's there. And, you know, that was reminiscent of the tee shot down 18 at the Players' Championship uh, last season. But he scrambled his way to the win. And and I think that is the thing that might carry Rory in this major championship season upcoming. Because the one thing's for certain in majors, the pressure, the expectation, the, the margins, just with the way the golf courses are set up, are so fine. And you can just get on the wrong side of something very quickly and you'll shoot 73 or 4 or 5. If he keeps scrambling like he is, that was Tiger's recipe for all the majors. He survived the bad day. Rory is garnering some of that skill right now, and I feel like it's going to make him a different player in the majors over the next, uh, over the foreseeable future, I'd say. Yeah, I, I was really impressed with Rory. I, uh, I believe he finished with 39 straight holes without a bogey, just seemed mm. to be, even when he got a little bit loose at times, um, like his, his tee shot on 18 in the final round there where he had to kind of scramble and he was, you know, two feet away from being into the into the penalty area. For him to, to, to play well enough to get around there with not making a bogey for 39 holes is, is really impressive stuff. So I, I kind of alluded to this, Kyle, a little bit. So only only Tiger and DJ have more WGC titles. Rory now tied with Jeff Ogilvie and Phil Mickelson. And I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on where these WGCs, you know, we only get a handful of them every year. We know they're kind of not as quote unquote important to uh, a player's resume as major championships. Um, but where do these rank? You know, where did WGC titles rank for a guy like Rory who's got, you know, a player's championship, he's got majors. Where do you put this on his resume? Well, you know, I, I I don't know that I care about what the title of the tournament is. I care about who's playing, right? I care about who the other guys in the field are. And I, I think one of the unintended consequences of, 
kind of overvaluing major championships in this era because I think that's what we do. One of the unintended consequences of that is that we undervalue uh, some of these other titles. We undervalue a memorial win like Patrick Cantlay had last year. We undervalue what it means to win the Players' Championship because the four majors are just so much – like we, the way we talk about them is just that they're so much bigger than everything else, and, and that's not, not true. But it does, I think, kind of devalue – and, and I don't think it should do this, but I think the reality is that it kind of devalues some of these other wins. And I think that's unfortunate for a guy like uh, Rory, for a guy like DJ, right? DJ having 20 wins, only one of them is a major. But every event that he wins is legit because of who's in it. And so I think that's the thing I think about when I think about these non-majors that these guys are kind of stacking up. Yeah, I, I uh, we could derail this whole conversation and get get into the uh, majors versus other type of events conversation, but I'm a that'll well, that'll be three hours long. Uh, but but Mark, to put <laughs> to put a kind of bow on on this WGC, uh, you know, Hideki played well again, uh, finishing in, in a tie for 11th. Sungjae continues to put himself up near the top of the leaderboard. Patrick Reed finishes in a tie for eighth with a sparkling 66 on Sunday, which might you know this might uh, lead into our, our our conversation about the President's Cup later. But is there any other takeaways from this WGC? You know, Xander again puts himself into contention that we should chat through before we move on to Bermuda. I think your final point there, Rick, Xander Shoffley. I mean, Kyle and I have bantered back and forth about Patrick Cantlay being the most underrated player, and he never gets any fanfare, and week in and week out, he's a factor. You know, Xander Shoffley, I, I could counter almost tops Cantlay for being the most underrated player on the tour, yeah. the guy who's the most quietly out of everybody, and just he shows up, and the guy is a giant killer. I've got to tell you, winning a tournament is one thing, but going back and defending is entirely another, and the expectations, the media obligations, you're going back to a place where you've played well, but and, and so there's that groundswell, if you will, of confidence and, and the reminders of the good stuff. But you've also got to walk that mental tightrope where you're like, well, last year I was five under at this point, and this year I'm not, for argument's sake. So it's a real emotional and mental kind of a battle. And this guy looked like it was water in a duck's back for four rounds. He came out, he played beautifully in round one, thrust himself into contention, stayed there, and didn't bat an eye, really, going head-to-head -head against McElroy in the final round. And, I, I mean, when you're going to make like a five, six-footer on the last hole to get into a playoff, I, I would say that that's a pretty significant amount of pressure. And Xander just buried that thing right in the heart. And granted, hit a bad tee shot off the, uh, off the first playoff hole, but, but knocking that putt down just speaks volumes to the man's character. His game is awesome. His golf swing, in my opinion, looked like it fell straight out of heaven. He's <laughs> He's a beautiful putter, and he's got a sense for the moment. And and, and and to add to all of that, I sound like I'm glowing some, but he's just got he's got that like a glorious I care but I don't care thing going on. You know where he's, you can see he's grinding, but it doesn't look like he's going to hang his hat on the fact that he might fail. And that's why, in my opinion, he puts up some of these big scores or low scores, I should say in big tournaments. So for me, Xander was the takeaway. I mean, defending like he did and, and basically tying for low score, that was a mammoth effort. 
Yeah, he's 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 really unbelievable. Uh, I thought we were going to get a little bit of a flu game, a Michael Jordan flu game. I know he wasn't feeling well, almost <laughs> almost pulled it out, but he is super impressive. And it's scary to think that the ninth ranked player in the world can be underrated. And I don't think that's wrong. I certainly think that he is underrated. Um, so what we'll do now is we will flip over to Bermuda. We had two golf tournaments last week, gentlemen. And Brendan Todd goes out and shoots a final round 62, nine under par to take the championship and hoist that trophy on Sunday. It was the lowest round of his career, and I don't want to say that it surprised the entire world, but it certainly surprised me because Brendan Todd missed the cut in the first four events that he played this season. He only made the cut in Houston where he finished in a tie for 28th, and I actually want to go back to you, Mark, here real quick for a second. You know, this is where we've, we've seen Michael Kim do this or we've seen guys do this where they're not playing well, Um, And then they all of a sudden show up at the top of the leaderboard and and end up winning a golf tournament. So is there something that can click, whether it's physically, mentally, for some golfer who has really no form coming into an event to just show up and win a golf tournament in pretty decisive fashion? Is there is there something out there that that I'm missing that I need in my game? Yeah, there is. But I'm going to take a step back beyond all of that. And I caught up with these now new instructor Bradley Hughes earlier this morning, and they've been together for a little while now. Now, we've got to go back and recognize that in the years 2016 through 2018, he was second worst. This is Todd in this instance. Second worst on the PGA Tour among players who played at least 1,000 holes in greens in regulation. He had a case of the swing yips, and yes, the term was used that he had the swing yips, and there's a few, not very many folks who have come back from this. Henrik Stenson was one. So you've got to go back a long ways first to the toil, the tears, the travails, the challenges, and the trust factor. I sound too much alliteration here, but the trust of now looking at Bradley Hughes and saying, I'm in the abyss. I need help. And Bradley hit him with something that was completely contrary to what he had been doing. And there's a lot of trust required for a player to look at something and go, well, this is completely foreign to me, but I'm going to go with this and I'm going to trust it. And he did. And then he made his way back onto the Corn Ferry Tour, advanced through there so you could see him gaining some traction. So the four miscuts to me, they were like, okay, that's come see, come saw. But then you get under, you get into contention. You haven't been there in ages since the Byron Nelson. And you shoot around like he did on a visually intimidating golf course. I mean, you can't write enough about this stuff. I mean, what Todd's done over the last couple of years to culminate with his victory, this to me represents everything that's good about golf, and it speaks volumes to the character of the man. Yeah, really impressive stuff. I just kept refreshing the the PGA Tour app, and it was like, oh, Brandon Todd has made another birdie. He's made another birdie. I couldn't believe it. Every time I thought it was, I thought it was an error. But um, you know, you mentioned it, Mark. You know, brought that uh, earned his tour status coming back through the Corn Ferry Tour. His last win was that 2014 Byron Nelson. And uh, Kyle, you and I actually previewed this this tournament last week, and one of the things that we chatted about was these alternate field events where, um, you know, you get the, you know, the non top 70 players in the world or whatever it is. 
it, are these beneficial to young guys who are looking for their breakout win or are they kind of where you know the older guard can take advantage of a field that might still be trying to get their their feet underneath them a little bit and what we we, we talked about scotty scheffler last week he ends up in a tie for third uh harry higgs goes out and finishes in a solo second and i feel like harry higgs is kind of the guy who's left you know looking around at the trophy stand and wondering what happened because kyle he goes out and shoots 66 65 65 68 did nothing wrong uh played really well did did brendan todd just run up here and steal this from him is the one that got away for for harry higgs yeah i think so and and you know, I, I think that's a good point because it, it felt like it should have been – this felt like the kind of tournament that it should have been Scheffler against Higgs. And you have this cool story about a young guy getting, you know, getting the exemption and, like, having success early on. And then it's like, wait a second, Brendan Todd was ranked outside the top 2,000 at the start of 2019. I mean, he was, he was, 2000, he was like, number 2008 in the world going into 2019. And – he doesn't have a top 10 anywhere since 2015, anywhere in the world. And he goes out and beats these two young guys. It, it is, I, I think if you're Higgs and, and even if you're Scheffler, you just kind of look at that and go, well, I mean, if he's going to go 62 on Sunday, not a lot I can do about that. Yeah, Brent, Brendan Ty kind of crashed the party a little bit for some of these guys. The 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 rest of that top five is so Harry Higgs in the solo second, tie for third is Hank Lebiota, Aaron Wise, and Brian Gay. Scotty Scheffler in there as well. I assume, and, and Kyle, I think we all assume this, Scotty Scheffler is going to have his name at the top of a lot of leaderboards coming up. So this is just one of those, he's knocking on the door, he's bound to kick it in at some point, right? Yeah, he's, I think, up to 73 in the world. He, he's kind of knocking on the door of like sneaking into some of these WGC events. And it, it, I think people are going to look around. I think he's a guy that people are going to look, look around in February or March and be like, oh, I didn't, I didn't know this happened in the fall. And, uh, yeah, that's sort of where I'm at with Scheffler right now. Beauty. So, um, we, we, we mentioned it a bit earlier, but that last win for Brendan Todd was the 2014 HP Byron Nelson championship. That was his best season on tour. His peak was getting to the fourth ranked golfer in the world. And the reason I bring that up is because we had a little historic official world golf ranking moment this week where Phil Mickelson, for the first time since 1993, 1,353 weeks, has dropped out of the top 50 in the official world golf ranking. So I'm going to give you some uh, what happened in 1993. We'll talk through Phil. But let me ask you this, Mark, what, what were you doing in 1993? I was playing some college golf at Columbus College back in the day there and uh we had a pretty good team at that stage, and I remember, you know, a young guy from South Africa here in Columbus, Georgia, um, sort of wide-eyed. We had a good, I'd had a good freshman year, and we won the national championship. And and '93 was my junior year, and it was actually a year that I played probably my best uh, college golf. And and a good friend of mine, a teammate Tom Mackay, he was his older brother was Jim Mackay. Tom was my roommate, and and Jim was sort of just becoming a bit of a standout on the PGA Tour. He had worked with uh, Scott Simpson and Larry Myers, and he had got hired by Phil. So, you know, there was a little bit of a kindred thing going on there. So I was back in college and, and, and watching, you know, you know, Phil obviously becoming one of the forces in the game. And, Kyle, I know you you weren't in college. What were you doing in 1993? I was, was playing. Doctor, wasn't it? <laughs> where, 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 where were you? I was playing uh, coach pitch baseball in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Go. So, yeah, that was that was my scene in 1993. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you there. I was five years old, so I was probably playing t-ball somewhere. But uh, it's it's uh, it's unbelievable to see. And I have I have some stats here from from the PGA Tour. What was going on in 1993? Your money winner and then going on to win the Arnold Palmer Award, Nick Price. He was also your PGA Player of the Year. He was your scoring leader. Um, VJ Singh was your rookie of the year, which I thought was, was pretty <laughs> interesting. Yeah. And, uh, and, and comeback player of the year was Howard Twitty, but just this, there's this tiger effect and, and how much the game has really expanded. So price was the tours money winner that year. He wore, he earned about $1.4 million in three wins. Uh, and he played in 18 events. Rory last year, uh, had three wins in 19 events and he won $7.7 million, and that does not even include the bonus for the Tour Championship. So business is booming in the PGA Tour right now. Um, you know, Kyle, I'll, I'll, I'll start with you on this Phil Mickelson stuff because we had kind of talked about some really impressive Tiger records uh, last week and which ones are unbreakable and where do they all rank. How impressive is 1,353 straight weeks inside the top 50 of the world golf rankings? Well, I think when we talk about stuff like this, we always have to equate it to major championships because that's the easiest thing for people to understand. Uh, it's the, it's like kind of the – it's just the thing that we measure everything else by. And I would equate something like this to like winning, I don't know, like three majors. I don't know if that's a crazy number, but it, it feels like kind of the right number because – I think you look around and you're like, oh, well, there's there's plenty of guys that like kind of got hot for a week and won a major. There's even a few guys that did it. Like I, I look at like John Daly winning two majors and you're like, okay, but to win three, you have to be like really, really good uh, for a, a decent amount of time. And I think for this, just the just the longevity of it is, I, I think, just outrageous to be at one of the 50th. 50 best people in your profession for this many for 26 years in a row is a joke. I mean, it, it doesn't, it doesn't happen and it, it doesn't happen because guys, and I, I don't know if it ever will happen again because there's so much more money in it. Now the guys are just not going to be that good into their late forties. There's just not going to be the incentive uh, that there used to be. I, I think Phil probably doesn't get enough credit for how he's kind of grinded out the last uh, eight to 10 years of his career. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point. And, and Mark, th this really is a, a longevity, uh, impressive streak that we have seen from Phil Mickelson. Will we see anyone even sniff something like 1,300 straight weeks with how deep the PGA Tour is, how these young guys are coming up and winning uh, much quicker? I mean, are we just going to assume that it's going to be very difficult and it might never happen that someone can do 1,300 straight weeks in the top 50 again? Yeah, for me, it's incomprehensible. I mean, the, the, that record is, I, I think, untouchable. It, it's it's close to the Tiger Woods and whatever that s just sensational number of cuts made in a row thing he's got go or he had going on. So, it, it's one of those that's untouchable for me. And and just with the way the world rankings work, um, you know, the rolling scale and, and tournaments that are on start falling off. I mean, that's something that's hurting Jordan Spieth right now, where all those big victories. They're rolling off his score, and so his divisor is changing, and the points number is changing in a hurry. So you've got to be very, very consistent, uh, and just the sheer nature of the game right now, to Carl's point, big checks, you, you try and catch lightning in a bottle once or twice if you're one of the you know regular guys, and I use that term in inverted commas because they're all good on tour, but you know the stars, if you have a year where you won three, maybe four events, you, you're dominant. 
And uh, I, I just, I, I cannot see it happening, Rick. I mean, that's what it feels. I think it's going to stand for a long, long time. Yeah, I mean, it, it, just to have your tour card for 26 years, straight years, I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it is incomprehensible that you can even be around healthy enough, You the desire to continue to play. It, it would take a very specific recipe of player who is really, really good at a young age and can stay really good to, you know, to your guys' point, into their into their 40s, and they can stay relevant. Um, so, so, Kyle, I'll throw this back to you. Uh, you know, Phil has certainly had his struggles recently, and I don't. I'm certainly not going to be uh, chiseling out his his uh, tombstone anytime soon. But are we are we optimistic that he can get back into the top 50, or are we seeing kind of like that you know old guard change to the new guard? Um, and and this might be the last time we've seen Phil in, in that in that tier. And by the way, I think Charles Howe the third has been ranked number 61 in the world for 26 straight years. Uh, <laughs> like exactly 60. Like exactly. Like he <laughs> it hasn't changed for 26 years, uh, which is also impressive. Uh, with Phil. You know, I, I think that, yeah, I'll say this. I don't think he ever gets back inside the top 50. And I don't think that's a – I mean, he's it's, it's just so hard for him right now. I mean, there's so many guys. We talk about guys like uh, – even like Scheffler and Harry Higgs. Like, those guys are probably better at golf than Phil Mickelson right now. And once you start getting that momentum and get into the top 50 – I mean, we talk about this all the time. It's hard to fall out of it. And so I just think for Phil, when it's going in the wrong direction, unless he does and, – and I realize he won earlier this year, and, and maybe this is crazy, and maybe he'll be number 28 in the world going into the Masters. But he's at an age where when it's going in the wrong direction, it's hard to get it going back the other way. Yeah, and, I'll, and, and I think that's a great um... – a great place for Mark to put a to put a bow on this. He's he's on the wrong side of forty, Mark. Uh, you you mentioned what it took for Brendan Todd to kind of trust and and change a game and and turn his career around. Obviously, Phil in a much better position than Brendan Todd. But is he going to have to reinvent himself uh, to get that upward trend? Is he going to have to make a little uh, just a few little tweaks? And and can you do it at his age of I don't know what he is forty nine years old? Well, it can sure. <laughs> Is it possible? Absolutely. Is it probable? I don't think so for various reasons. You, you list the age thing. I mean, there's a natural fall off for golf for any athlete at a certain age. And Phil has been evergreen for a while. And to a certain extent, he's defied uh, some some age logic by what he's done with, with some of the victories over recent times. But the issue for me is the world ranking points are a sliding scale. We know that. The World Golf Championships are extra points, as are the majors. Now, Phil's going to be in the Masters for a while, but it gets to a place like you saw this with an Ernie Els or a VJ or, or other players who are in Phil's kind of stature in terms of achievement throughout career, where all of a sudden you're not in the World Golf Championship events. So those are basically guaranteed points because there's no cuts. And so you get out of that, and so that sort of perpetuates itself. And then you get these players that force themselves in there, and then if you're young and you're playing well, you know, five events, whatever it is, of your calendar year, of your season, a World Golf Championships deal. So you look at those, you go, I've got guaranteed points. I've just got to play well in one or two others, and I'm pretty well sorted out for, you know, top 70, definitely, top 30, preferably. So I, I think it's going to be very, very hard for Phil because now these points are going to start coming away rapidly. And so then you drop out of the 64, then you're out of the match play, and then the thing starts really getting tough. So he's reinvented himself. You know, you look at his slimline Phil, he's mm -hmm. a small version of himself. But, you know, it's changing, and these dudes hit it hard, okay? And so 
the harder you hit it, the more injury prone you become. And so for a 49-year-old guy, take it from me, I'm 49. You don't wake up feeling the same way. I'm sorry, I don't care. <laughs> so uh, it, it's going to be a tough road to hoe for Phil. And, 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 you know, I'm watching this from sort of my contemporaries' view, else, Kursen, those sorts of guys. The landscape is now sort of officially changing with Phil falling out the top 50. We've all talked about it, but I think now it's like the window's sort of closing. And, 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 and golf is, you know, sport is just a young man's game. Look at Tom Brady. He's defied some logic for the last few years, too. Certainly has. And that's a really good point. The, the scoring system certainly doesn't help him once you start falling out of it. It'll be really interesting to see uh, where it goes next for Phil. But we've got some uh, news coming later this week where the President's Cup captains are going to be picked. But before we jump into that, we've got to pay the bills, Kyle. Uh, yeah, hiring uh, guys just like Phil Mickelson falling out of the top 50 can be a slow process. Uh, Cafe Elter COO Dylan Miskowitz needed to hire a director of coffee for his organic coffee company, but he was having trouble finding qualified applicants, so he switched to ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you, it finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job, so you get qualified candidates fast. Dylan posted his job on ZipRecruiter and said he was impressed by how quickly he had great candidates apply. He also used ZipRecruiter's candidate rating feature to filter his applicants so he could focus on the most relevant ones. And that's how Dylan found his new director of coffee in just a few days. With results like that, it's no wonder that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address ziprecruiter.com slash first cut that ziprecruiter.com slash f-i-r-s-t-f-i-r-s-t-c-u-t ziprecruiter.com slash first cut ziprecruiter the smartest way to hire director of coffee i like that i'm the director of coffee in this household i'll tell you that it doesn't (laughs) doesn't pay the bills but all right let's uh let's jump into the president's cup because we are going to get the captain's picks announced later this week the international picks are coming down wednesday evening on the east coast and the u.s picks are coming down thursday evening so we've got some decisions to be made from captains tiger woods and ernie ells I will start with the U.S. team, gentlemen. Um, you know, I'll, I'll read off who is on the list, and then we'll have to kind of talk through where we think Captain Tiger Woods is going to go here. So on the team already, Dustin Johnson, Justin Thomas, Brooks Kepka, assuming he can play, Matt Kuchar, Xander, Webb Simpson, Bryson DeChambeau, Patrick Cantlay, already a pretty killer squad. Um, some notable players who we think might be in the mix for some of these captain picks include Gary Woodland, Ricky Fowler, Patrick Reed, Tony Finau, and on and on. It's a pretty deep squad and potential squad for the U.S. So, Mark, I'll start with you. Uh, Tiger Woods is most certainly picking himself in this golf in this in this event, isn't he? Uh, it's uh, after the Zozo Championship, yeah. So, I mean, even I, I loved the quip there after the one round. He goes, "Tiger Woods, the player, impressed. Tiger Woods, the captain today." And and it's the kind of thing. It's longer than the Ryder Cup, but he can sit himself a little bit too. So, so I feel like he plays. Um, he probably plays a limited amount, so he can still assume some of the captain's roles, um, and, and the responsibilities and such. But yeah, I think Tiger plays. He's very parable. I think there's. One or two nice combinations that work out there for him. We saw him with Bryson DeChambeau. Uh, I'm going to say it now. I, I think he picks Patrick Reed, and I think the two of them might play together. So, uh, yeah, D- Tiger is a definite of that. I'm 
Yeah, I think there would have been outrage amongst the the t- U.S. team members, the fans, everybody in the world. I mean, even outside the Zozo, I was like, Tiger should absolutely pick himself. I don't care what happens. He goes out and wins. Now you got to play. So, so Kyle, we um, we were kind of alluding to to you know some. Uh, I thought Tiger was just going to announce that he was playing in that interview after the Zozo. I thought he was going <laughs> to do it on the spot, which would have been absolutely awesome. Um, there is a tweet from Tiger in 2018 in April after Patrick Reed won. Uh, the Masters, where he basically said, well, now you're guaranteed a a spot on the President's Cup team. Uh, so first of all, do do Kyle, do you think he's going to follow up and, and make Patrick Reed a member of this team? And is that a good idea? Well, I don't know if it's a good idea. Uh, I think he will. <laughs> I think what's fascinating, remember a year ago, uh, everything that came out with Reed, and we're just like burying him. Oh, he'll never be on a team again. He'll never be in that team room again. And a year later, it's like, yeah, Tiger's gonna gonna pick Patrick Reed, right? And so it's right. not even it's not even like he, uh, you know, played his way onto the team, but rather this guy that we basically buried in terms of team events one year ago is probably gonna get a captain's pick one year later. And you know, I I don't know. That was probably just overreaction at the time after the Ryder Cup. I, I think that I think that Reed's gonna be on the team. I think obviously Tiger will be on the team. I think Gary Woodland is going to be on the team. And so I I think that – I mean, it would be weird if you didn't have the U.S. Open champ on the team, <laughs> especially after he goes top five, top five uh, at the CJ Cup and Zozo. I think it's going to come down to Finau and Fowler. And I think that everybody's been oh, – everybody's, everybody's been saying, like, it's going to be Finau, it's going to be Finau. I, I, don't, I don't know about that. I mean – I think this is going to be really interesting, and I think Tiger is going to probably end up getting a, an out here. He's going to get the free pass with mm-hmm. with uh, with Kepka not playing. Um, but I'm curious to see who the pick is because I don't know if it is going to be. I don't know. I don't know which one of those guys it's it's going to be. I, I I guess I would go with Fowler, but or excuse me, I guess I would go with Finau, but I. It would be weird for for both Fowler, Ricky Fowler, and Jordan Spieth to not end up being on on this team. Yeah, this this might be a, a, a little bit of a new look U.S. team, and, and you're right. If Brooks Kepka plays, which I I obviously want him to play, with, you know, we're still trying to figure out what's going on with the knee injury. I would love for him to play just because I want to see him play. But additionally, I want to see Tiger's feet to the fire on who one of these guys he has to yeah. choose. Yeah. So 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 Mark, I think um yeah, I, I agree with Kyle. I think Gary Woodland's in. I think Patrick Reed is in. Um. Tiger picks himself. So that that leaves us. Yeah, Finau, Fowler. I mean, even someone like a Kevin Kisner. I mean, who who's p- potentially the last pick that Tiger has to make? And are one of these guys better suited for uh, a team event uh, in this type of amped up pressure than, than another guy? Um, Ricky's a wonderful teammate. We all know that he's a great guy. He's awesome in the in the team room. But Tony Finau is just a gem of a human being. And we all saw what he did in the Ryder Cup over there in France. He played beautifully. He's eminently parable. I mean, that guy is so easygoing. You could play him with anybody and he would get along just dandy. So um, I, I'm a firm believer in form. You know, the resume is one thing, but the resume doesn't mean anything and the PGA Tour, I've said it and I'll say it again, it's a mem- uh, it's a momentum place. And you look at the people who are playing well and they will probably play well more. And so I feel like the way that um, – the fact that Ricky hasn't played any uh, – I'm sure he's played, but he hasn't played uh, competitively 
I think that's a big X in the Fowler column, you know, certainly in the Fowler ledger. And, and Finau has been solid. He's been playing, he's been traveling, and I'm sure he's been lobbying a little bit. So, so I feel like Finau's in. Woodland is a must, the way he's playing. Patrick Reed, I've mentioned, I, I see him playing. So I'm going Reed, Tiger, Woodland, and Finau. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good team. And uh, to, to one of Kyle's points, you know, how, how short our memories are, uh, I do think that the recent the recent form, Finau being uh, kind of front and center, and we haven't seen a lot of Fowler, it, it probably hurts Ricky a little bit in this world where, you know, we get amnesia every single week and start from scratch. So uh, let's let's flip <laughs> over to the to the international squad here because uh, I think they've got their work cut out for them. But here's, here's who we've currently got on the team. We've got Hideki Matsuyama, Adam Scott, Louis Oosthuizen, Mark Leishman, Abraham Answer, Hal Tong Lee, Cam Smith, and C.T. Pan. Captain Ernie Els does have uh, a couple of guys that I like to choose from here. So some potential notables uh, that we might see on this international team could be my favorite player in the whole world, Sung J.M., uh, Benny Ahn, Corey Connors, Jason Day would have to be a cap- captain's pick in Australia, which feels like it's going to happen. So Kyle, uh, in the same way that is, is Tiger an auto lock, I mean, Jason Day in Australia has to be on this team, I would assume. Yeah, I agree. This is a Sung JM podcast, by the way. Me and Mark <laughs> have been have been hollering about him for five months now. Uh, I, so here's what L should do, and here's what he will do. He should go Sung J, Ben on, uh, Corey Connors, and Joaquin Neiman. I think what Ooh, he I like that. I think what he will do is go those first three: Sung J, Benny on, Connors, and then uh, obviously Jason Day. Uh, there's a, I mean, you could throw like uh, Adam Hadwin. I, I don't know. There's a lot of different guys, but I, I, I think having, look, here's the thing. Like what the international team is doing hasn't, it just hasn't worked. So why yeah. not mix it up? Go with somebody like Neiman, who I mean, is another. Pre- does the President's Cup matter to Jason Day? Sure, I'm sure it does, but. I bet it matters a lot more to somebody like Joaquin Neiman, who's never been in that in that sort of situation before. And I just think if 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 what you're doing is not working, and it's clearly not, then mix it up a little bit and and try to figure something else out going into this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the plague. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount Plus. Yeah, so so to your point, the USA is eight zero and one. Their last president president's cut last nine president's cups, excuse me. Only loss was here at Royal Melbourne. It was nineteen ninety eight. 
Mark, uh, I, I kind of agree with Kyle here. You should you should mix it up a little bit. I think that you need to introduce guys that are a lot more volatile. You know, someone even even like a Siwoo Kim who could finish dead last in a, in a golf tournament or go out and win it. Like like I think you need to embrace the volatility in this type of situation. How, you know, so, Mark, how does the international team? figure out a way as you know prohibitive prohibitive underdogs on on home soil to to capture that president's cup and uh before i go there i i need to note that you guys have resisted having to say jazz jane what an i noticed the two of you skirting that it's a uh, yeah, I, I just yeah, it's either Jazzy J or Jazza Wana Nana Wana Wana Wana. You guys know the you know Jazzy, the deal. Jazzy J, <laughs> Jazzy J is. I'll say that all day. That's a great name. Um, <laughs> you know what? I had this conversation with another um, executive from the the South African tour, the Sunshine Tour, and and the conversation was the old guard, if you will. Um, you know, I think back to the Schwarzel Oerstesen, Jason Day, Adam Scott those sorts of days, you're right, the thing didn't work. And so it's time for Captain Els to shake this thing up. And he has, to a large extent, with getting together down in New Orleans and meeting with players all over the place. It's a couple things to note. It's match play. And so I'm certain that Captain Els and his co-captains are looking at match play records. And with that being said, a lot of the guys like Joaquin Neiman and that sort of thing, you play your amateur golf in the match play format. So that, to me, makes him a very enticing selection. I really do think so. Sung JM's a lock. I think Jason Day is a lock because in, in any match play format, if you putt well, you are likely to wear your opponent out mentally, emotionally, and physically. And the way Day putts back on his home greens, he's had success there. I think you pick Jason Day. I love Ben Arn. I'm all mm-hmm. for Ben Arn. I know Carl will pull. pull. We'll we'll, uh, we'll agree to that, but I, I have a, I just have a feeling that Captain Else may look over him and go with Adam Hadwin, who's got some rider, uh, some Presidents Cup experience. So, so for me, I think him, Jason Day, Adam Hadwin, Joaquin Neiman, but he can go anywhere right now, and it's about pairability, it's about how much match play they play, and, and just you know, in the end, it's a gut check for Captain Ernie. So uh, it's it's going to be interesting times, but. It's time now to bring some new blood in, and I think just to start building for future Presidents Cups. Yeah, the the match play record and and the amateur portion of that is is a really great point. I I like that a lot. It's I think the international selections are are a lot more compelling than the U.S. ones. Uh, but we will find out later this week. So Wednesday night and Thursday night, those picks are going to be coming out. And gentlemen, as we wrap up in the last few minutes here, the uh, you know the world famous. Uh, anonymous PGA Tour Pro Survey has uh, has dropped, and there's there's a lot here. So there's just a couple that I want to go through. So the first one, Kyle, that I thought was interesting is it was a pretty even split on the question of are you a fan of the new compressed major schedule? Uh, as, as a fan, uh, I love this. Uh, you know, you get basically a, a big event every single every single month throughout the season. Uh, but it was pretty split. 55% say yes. 45% of pros say no. Where do you stand on this, Kyle? Because I think it I think it does a couple of things. It, it gives you the, the the kind of a marquee event every month. But then now these players uh, are going to have to figure out their schedules. Maybe it's starting a little bit earlier to bank some of the, the FedEx Cup points. I think you have to be a little bit um, a little bit more strategic in how you schedule your uh, your season. But what say you? Yeah. I, I'm with you. I like it more compressed. I think it. I think it. Um, 
I just think it's better for viewing, for interest, for everything. And like the the guys that are complaining about it, it's like, man, it, you're it's like three weeks different, right? It's like right. maybe maybe four weeks different. And I just think. I think the rhythm of going Masters first and then PGA and then U.S. Open and then ending the major year uh, it, with the Open Championship, I just think that makes a ton of sense. And, and I, 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 the, the PGA, it always felt kind of tacked on to the end, and it just makes a lot more sense uh, going between the Masters and the U.S. Open. Yeah, and they can wrap up before football season starts. I just I just think this is this is a really good way to go, and I've got – uh, just one more here, and I want to I want to throw it over to Mark because I think he can provide provide some really good insight on this. So there's two back to back questions that kind of caught my attention. The first one says, "Will Tiger win another major?" And he was asked this before he won the Zozo, and even then, 73% of of PGA Tour pros said yes, 27% said no. So that's the first question, which I think we all you know, great. He's probably going to win another major. It might be Augusta again. Who knows? The guy's awesome. But the next question is. If you and Tiger played a 36-hole match tomorrow, who wins? And 90% of PGA Tour pros said they would win. So you've got uh, the the contrast of, yes, Tiger's going to win another major. Uh, I will beat him. 90% say I will beat him. And I think this is kind of more along, uh, you know, you know, right, because 90% of these guys aren't going to win majors, right? <laughs> that's, the, that's the implication here. Um, uh, you know, I think a lot of professional athletes, Mark, kind of feel this way, no matter where they're at, that they are the best in their field or at their trait or whatever it is. So I'll throw this to you. Do all golfers at some point just just think they're the best in the world and they can beat anybody on any given day? Yeah, they do. By definition, you have to because the PGA Tour just gets stronger and stronger. stronger. In fact, the world's game just gets stronger and stronger. And these players are coming out thick fast and the only way you survive in the land of giants is if you view yourself as a giant it's the old david and goliath sort of complex that's going on here so so you have to believe in yourself you do um uh, i think the 36 hole match question to me was intriguing i think if it was an 18 hole match i don't i think you might have seen those numbers a little bit more a little bit less biased um, but over 36 holes, Tiger and some of the injuries, and he's 43 years young, whatever he is right now, that has a real, um, uh, a real something to that is brought to bear on the influence. But but back to the question, yeah, a player has to believe in themselves, and in a match play thing, I mean it's the same as the Ryder Cup, same as the Presidents Cup. Anybody can beat anybody at any time. It's over four rounds that things start to kind of shake down and you'll see the cream rising to the top. So I think it's a little bit of everything there, but certainly some self-belief is, is, is part, of the, uh, part of the answer. Yeah, I love it. Well, gentlemen, it is without a week without a PGA Tour event, but there is plenty of action in the world of golf. I thank you both for hopping on and uh, let's, let's do this again. Thanks, right. Ray. Appreciate it, man. Thanks, guys.